It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Topics could be a show within itself. 
But uh, I have a gentleman. Uh, his name is Mr. Dennis uh, uh, Eflin, and um, he's joined us tonight. Good evening, Devin. How are you? I'm doing fantastic, Ken. How are you on this Tuesday? I'm doing pretty good. Got a little head cold, a little summer cold, but I'm all right. <laughs> Definitely. I'm just you glad know? to be aboard. Thanks for having me. So let's uh, let's t- t- tell the uh, the listeners and the downloaders who is Devin. I, I say your last name right, Heflin. Right, correct. That's Heflin. Yeah, yeah. Who is Devin Heflin? Well, well, to best sum it up, Devin Heflin is a CEO. He's an activist. He's a visionary. He's somebody who likes to fight for those that have no fight left. He likes to speak up and use his voice for those that feel as though they have no voice. My motto in life often is approaching a world of difference using a different approach. So I often teach people, no matter where I'm at in life, that there is no such thing as hopelessness, that if you can look up, you can get up, and that also when you get up, you can be as unique as you were created to be. Okay, um... Now, before you, while you was in, in, in on standby, I was mentioning some things about uh, uh, how is the black community functioning in today's uh, era, and how did we get here? Uh, are we pro- progressing, or do we have uh, significant issues that have a negative impact on our communities, or these issues doesn't have any impact on our community, negative or positive. So uh, basically, uh, what do you see how we are today? Sure. Well, 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 I must first preface and say that we have a black community, but the black community is more symbolic than anything at this point. And, and I say that not to sound cynical, but I say that for the fact of the modern black community that is today exists as a manufactured white outfit, meaning that we have adopted the stereotypes that were thrust upon us, and we have committed ourselves, unfortunately, to living the greatest stereotypes possible. If you know anything about black people, we put our heart and soul into anything that we do. Nobody's better Christians than us. Nobody's better Muslims than us. Nobody nobody is better at industry than we are. So unfortunately, we have taken that greatness and we have supplanted our divinity for a lesser position. And what we have done is we've taken that greatness, but we've used that greatness for, for malevolence instead of what can make us greater and what can, make a, what can make us good. So we've taken that greatness to be a pejorative instead of be positive. I, I would also say to that point that Many of us read a lot of our scholars, for example, Dr. John Henry Clark, we read Dr. Yosef Binyakinen, we read Dr. Naeem Akbar, for example, and we read Dr. Chancellor Williams' The Destruction of Black Civilization. But what we do is we often make mistakes. Yes, indeed. (laughs) We often make mistakes. I have a couple of books, too. I'm sorry. No, No problem, brother. We, we actually make the mistake often of reading a work like The Destruction of Black Civilization, and we read the work and treat it as something that is in the past. So we simply treat it as a cause and not as an effect, not realizing that The Destruction of Black Civilization did not stop when Dr. When Dr. Williams wrote his last chapter. The destruction is, in fact, still ongoing and still occurring. So 
what we're seeing today is we're being we're being murdered, obviously, on live television in front of the world. We're being executed like animals. Our children are being grossly grossly misunderestimated and also miseducated. We we have now, although we are abroad right now with the Olympics and Rio gaining medals for America, America has given us the greatest backhand slap by saying that you're good enough to win medals, but if you were still in this country, we would racially profile you. So there have been some gains, but for those gains, we have not paid attention to the magician's other hand because the magician's other hand has the culprit of what his trick is. Now, I want to go back to what you said about sure. our communities are not but white manufacturing. Are you saying that we as a people have really bought into the lights, the uh, the European lifestyle, uh, European value system, and 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 we separate ourselves from our own cultural value system. But in fact, we really don't know what our cultural value system is as a whole. I, I, I would definitely very much agree with that assertion because we have to look at the numbers. I, I could take you back to 1965. Prior to 1965, Black America owned over 787,000 acres of farmland. Prior to 1965, there were 17 Black-owned hospitals and medical facilities in America that were treating Black patients who could not get treated anywhere else. Prior to 1965, there were more Black publishing houses and Black-owned independent film companies, one notable being the Macau Film Corporation, than there are today. So when you look at it, when we faced open and blatant discrimination, we were more united, whereas when we simply wanted social integration to be able to be next to Caucasians and to be able to interact with them, that interaction came at a price, and also that being able to be social with them came at a price. So we surrendered all of our institutions, and we allowed our institutions to be eroded by two phases, number one, either by white philanthropy or by white infiltration. And so what we have done is we have allowed ourselves to take second place, as, as Dr. Clark used to always say. Dr. Clark said we have unfortunately declared ourselves that we are second place, although the melanin that courses through us and all that we have been blessed with, blessed with in our historical record says otherwise. So how can we – well, let me ask you this. We had sure. we own we had seventeen black owned hospitals uh, prior to nineteen sixty five. Indeed, it was a combination of black owned hospitals and medical facilities. One of which, the most prominent, being Provident Hospital, and it was a hospital established by Doctor Daniel Hell Williams. As you know, he was the brother okay. who performed the first open heart surgery on the face uh-huh. of the planet. Uh huh. So, okay, how can we? get this greatness, uh, this unity back, or can we get it back because of so many different barriers that are, uh, uh, that we're confronting or so many barriers that are, are challenging to us, such as the educational system. You spoke of the educational system. And such sure. as uh, 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 the criminal justice system, gang violence. And also, it's something that that's really uh, uh, black flight. You know, black flight. I say black flight, flight really uh, uh, hurt uh, 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 our neighborhoods because 
We used to have, you know, middle-class black folks, politicians, professionals, labor, living next door to each other. Now, as soon as you get a job, you want to move out the community, as they said, get out the hood. So how can we all put that in a perspective, how that is damaging our whole uh, inner psyche? Sure. Well, well, we have to take a three-step approach. And the first part of that approach is, number one, we have to assess the pain. The second part of that approach is that we have to activate our products. But then the third part of that is we have to access our power. I'll start with the first step in assessing our pain. The mistake that many of, that many of our people make is that they think that when we begin to discuss the problems that have happened to black civilization and the peril that our people have endured, they believe that we're either enabling the victim or embracing victimhood. I, I, I would say on this broadcast that that's definitely not the case. What we are simply doing is we're identifying the cause and effect so we can create a greater effect for our future. For example, if, if, you go into, if you go into a hospital and you're stricken with an illness, the first thing that the doctor will ask you or that the physician will ask you is, how long have you had this problem for? Or for example, do you have a history, does your family have a history of this very illness? And so it, it's kind of similar to ants. Ants, for example, were united when they were building, ants were united when they were building by themselves, untampered with. However, if a group of elephants were to come by right now and stomp on the ants, now all the structure and all the time and all the patience and all the diligence with which the ants have worked, the ants now have to work on rescuing all that they have worked for in rebuilding their structures. Black America is the same way. So the first step is we have to assess the pain, not to stay stuck in the pain, but to understand that the pain happened to us for a reason, and now it is our reason that should influence us to take ourselves out of the pain. The second part of that is we got to activate our product, and I mean this in recognizing our gifts. We have to realize that we're a very gifted people, but also realize that we must own the gifts that we are giving to the world. If you notice, for example, black people, we have always been, or, or I couldn't even say black and confine it to black, I would say indigenous people, we have always been kind to outsiders, even to a fault, and we have always shared our gifts with the world. It's now time to realize what Booker T. Washington was saying by pull yourself up by your bootstraps. It's now time to realize what the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad was also saying when he said, I want you to embrace your own or face the fate other than your own. And it's also time for us to embrace what Marcus Garvey was saying when he said, up you might embrace, you can accomplish what you will. All three of these men were not different men. They were all giving the same message. And so once we realize that message, we can then begin to activate our gifts and own our gifts and own our talents. The third part of it is we have to access our power. We've got to realize with our buying power, we've got to realize with our know-how, we put so much energy into what does not benefit us, we now need to redirect that energy. And we're, we're starting to see some of that around the nation with a lot of the black-owned banks at this point that have made numerous and voluminous amounts of money over the last two months here. We're also seeing that on the local level and in some of the municipalities where there are different Buy Black events. I know I was at an event on Sunday afternoon, a Buy Black Central Florida event that occurred. And so we're, we're we're starting to see the change gradually because we have to realize our people endured a 350-year interruption in our history. So it's going to take some time for our people to realize their gifts once more and to dig themselves out of this hole, so to speak, which was created for them. Why 
Why are some black folks <clears throat> resistant to this model? Because Marcus Garvey received criticism from other African scholars, especially in this country, not outside this country. Elijah uh, 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 Muhammad definitely received uh, a criticism uh, uh, from his contemporaries. So, you know, why are we so resistant to this model? Because when you, when you look at this model, assessing the pain, uh, uh, activate your, uh, 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 your business, uh, uh, assess the power, well, that is like a common, la- a, a common language uh, uh, among other cultures and countries. So why are we so so resistant to this? Sure. Well, I, I would say that the greatest delusion has been played on us over the last, I would say, the last 60 to 70 years. What has happened is this. We have played into the all-too-familiar narrative of the good guy and the bad guy. So, for example, in our history, we have been taught that <laughs> through, through this diluted, altered narrative that we have been force-fed over the last six decades here, we have been taught Martin Luther King good, Malcolm X bad. We have been taught W.B. Du Bois good, Marcus Garvey bad. When, in fact, none of these men had significant differences, they just simply had differing ways of going about the same ideology. So, for example, you had Dr. King and Malcolm X had the same message, just different methodologies of exacting that message. When you look at, for example, W.B. Du Bois and Booker T. Washington or W.B. Du Bois and Marcus Garvey, they all had the same message, just different methodologies of exacting that message. And to speak to, to speak further to that point, we have adopted the Caucasian mentality that everything must have a villain, everything must have a hero, when in fact our ancient thinking right. did not reflect that at all. We, we reflected and lived in the wholeness of society, meaning that we could live very comfortably without a villain. <laughs> we could live without a villain. We could live without some impending evil or impending disaster coming our way. If you notice, towards the beginning of the 20th century, I would say at least 1901 to about 1929 was when that ideology via Carl Schmidt, and I reflect on Carl Schmidt a little later on in the broadcast, that's when that projected enemy mentality further began to take place and to take sentience. The belief that all of a sudden now a black man who advocates going his own way is viewed as evil whereas a black man who goes along with the projected system is now viewed, or, or, or a man who memorizes the script properly instead of improvising from the script is now viewed as somebody that you should cherish and somebody that you should model yourself after. Okay, we might have a call. Let me see if this person wants to speak. Um, okay. Good, good evening. You're on Black Earth America. Do you have a question? Well, I guess not. Uh, so... Okay. Um, how come? Um, how come? Well, let me ask you this: Do you think in integration, civil rights, affirmative action had benefit uh, uh, Black America and as a whole? I, I, I would say I, I would I would 
liken it to a grading system, I, I would probably give integration a C minus overall, and, and that's an average grade because what it has done is what's, what integration with the Voting Rights Act, with the Civil Rights Movement, what the Civil Rights Act of 1964, what all of these pieces of legislation have done is just that they've simply been pieces of legislation that have allowed us to leave our greatness and make ourselves average in the eyes of society. Because when we look at the early foundings of the civil rights movement, the civil rights movement was a co-op from the very beginning. It was founded as a response to the New Negroes movement and the Deacons for Defense in the 1920s and the 1930s. The New Negroes was a serious political movement of the 1920s of very serious young black men that were saying, no longer will we allow the Ku Klux Klan to ride into our communities. No longer will we allow police to continue to brutalize us and continue to bite the breast off of black women in these protest marches. We're going to take up arms and do something about it. And so what the civil rights movement was basically structured upon was, because if you notice Dr. King and when you look at Dr. King and Roy Wilkins and Whitney Young and A. Philip Randolph, they never called it or coined their movement the civil rights movement. They always maintained to the very end that we are championing for human rights, for greater human rights. But the concept of the civil rights movement was created by a white man named Justice Felix Frankfurter. And Justice Felix Frankfurter, who was a Supreme Court justice appointed by Franklin Delano Roosevelt between 1939 to 1962 was when he served, he had a book called The Business of the Supreme Court. And what that book basically stipulated was that we will now use laws to appear as though we're giving these Negroes equality when all our main goals are is to erode their independent institutions. So I would say look, examining it in totality, although most, youth, most young black youth don't have to worry about walking down the street to get a brick across the head, <laughs> that they, they, right. don't have to literally, they don't have to literally concern themselves with attack dogs waiting for them around the corner. However, now we have to concern ourselves with them going to school. As many of you started school yesterday, they have to now return to school where they're basically taught that they are inferior from day one. They now go to and watch television or view social media that shows that one group is superior over another or that one group's narrative of how life should be is the script that they should follow, and if they don't follow that script, they're then viewed as ruffians, as ruffians and demagogues. So as, as I've mentioned, my grade for the civil rights movement would be a strong C minus because you can't force a people to like the people which have forced oppression upon a people. So, um, so you're saying that, that really the civil rights movement or the civil rights legislation really haven't benefit benefit as us as a whole. So let me ask you this. Well, how, sure. do, uh, how are we in capitalism? Now, you're the CEO of your own company. So I, uh, uh, how do you think we're functioning in capitalism? Is capitalism, <laughs> is capitalism for us? Well, 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 a lot of that is just our, is just our, Melanin and historic greatness, <laughs> I say. Right. but definitely to, to your point, however, we, we have always found a way to succeed in any society. Now the question of is capitalism for us, obviously capitalism, socialism, communism, Keynesian economics, feudalism, fascism, none of these concepts could exist 
specifically for us because why we existed before these concepts were even known before the world. Because, once again, right. we lived in a wholeness of society. So, therefore, a whole people cannot be defined by a fragmentary position. And so what communism is, socialism, capitalism, what, what all of these isms, if you call it, is, these are fragments of the whole. So in our ancient societies, you would see some, you see some vestiges of capitalism and commerce. You would also see a, govern, a governance of socialism. You would also see communism. But we practiced it without a name, without having to title it, because why? We understood certain things cannot be credited or accredited to a people. A people just simply live it out. So it naturally made sense in our societies for if you had five kids and I have four, that you would, de- that you would definitely, definitely receive more resources than I would naturally. Why? Because you have a greater, you have a greater amount in your family, thus, you, thus society would understand that you have a greater responsibility. So we can succeed because we are not simply confined by titles. I simply see myself as a businessman that is able to own and operate my business freely without constraints. And so capitalism can work if you work it, if, if you understand exactly what I'm saying. Uh-huh. Well, well you, said, you said that you are able to operate your business freely. Is having your own, having your own economics equal to freedom? Well, I, I, I definitely wouldn't wouldn't speak to my own economics, but I, I would speak to the steps that I have taken necessarily to ensure that my business is standard and that my business can compete with anybody on any level. I, I would say that I always I always attempt to strive for excellence because, as we know, Brother Booker T. Washington told us that excellence is doing a common thing in an uncommon way. So. We always have to strive for excellence despite. I mean, think about how crazy it was in 1881 that a black man in racist Alabama, Tuskegee, Alabama, builds Tuskegee Institute with his students by hand. Most people said that could not be done. Fast forward to the 1990s, you have Dr. Malachi Z. York, who built Tamaray in Putnam County, Georgia, in Eatonton, Georgia, where most said that it could not be done. So. Once again, our, our greatness cannot be defined by any system, by any coercion, and by any oppressive people. And I think that it speaks to the greatness of our people that despite what the system has done to us in the past and continues to do to us in the present, that we still continue to rise above it all. And in our rising above it all, it has made us, both you and I, a superior people. Um, do you believe in separatism? Separatism, I, I think we're already living separate. <laughs> oh, 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 you said that we're still segregated? I, 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 would, I would definitely speak. So I, I would say we are definitely separate and still unequal. I, I was just reading an article this morning by Peter Cunningham in U.S. News Magazine where he was basically questioning the fact that the headline of this article read, schools still still integrated, but still unequal. And so he was discussing the fact of the integration of schools, and he was comparing it to Brown versus the Board of Education in 1954, how although the legislation said so, and hearts may have been sincere in their intent with that legislation, we're still seeing the erosion of 
of classic and historic black institutions, black educational institutions, black educational initiatives. And also what we're seeing is the removal of children from our historic institutions into white or Caucasian institutions for the simple purpose of bringing the value of those institutions down so those Caucasian children with their parents have a right to send their children elsewhere now. And so it's been an entire and total justification of the system. And so I I would say that we are, there's no need to push for separation because in many ways in America, unfortunately in 2016, many are still living very separate and still receive benefits that are unequal. Well, how can we get our people on board? Okay, and the reason why I'm going to be a little bit more specific, you know, to shift the question a little bit, the gangs in our neighborhood, uh, the the structure of our families, uh, the relationship among our neighbors in our community is somewhat uh, 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 stained. So. What we, how can we, without any uh, assistance, how can we try? And I'm talking about Chicago, New York, uh, L.A., sure. uh, uh, Philly, uh, 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 Atlanta, uh, Houston. You know, where I read a, a, a statistical data a couple months ago that all the cities, that all the city and in the suburbs, they got a new housing title now, in the, in the suburbs that are predominantly black have gang violence or high level of killings among ourselves. Certainly. Well, 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 what we must first do is we have to, we have a responsibility and this we cannot put on any system whatsoever we have a responsibility to teach our youth better. So we have a responsibility to involve them in greater activities, specifically activities where they will be asked and where they will be encouraged to learn who they are. You, you would be surprised how a young man or a young woman changed when they gain a knowledge of themselves. But I say gain a knowledge of themselves, not to sound cliche, but to show that we have to encourage that because there are many of our youth that are still very miseducated that they're only doing exactly what they know. So if they come from a household where they see dad, if dad exists at all, doing one thing or doing one thing wrong habitually, we know that 21 days creates a habit or 21 days breaks a habit. So if dad is acting habitually wrong in one instance, but that's all the son sees, and yet the son sees a reward for that habitual wrong and incorrect behavior, that's what he's going to imitate. For example, the same goes with his mother as well. If he sees his mother acting habitually incorrect, that's what he's going to imitate. And so what we're seeing is we're seeing our kids basically imitate what they see, or there might not be parents or guardians in the equation at all. Sometimes they have the little square devil in the home called the television, which has raised many of our children, unfortunately. I was going to raise that issue. I was going to raise the other. That's another challenge. You know, uh, parents are competing with that uh, that white devil you said uh, sitting on the mantle. Exactly, and so that has raised our children as well. Edward Bernays, Edward Bernays in the 1920s was unfortunately an evil genius in creating and measuring brainwave activity and how it responds best to propaganda. 
and he unfortunately succeeded and continues to succeed in the modern era. So I, I would say that we have a responsibility as adults, and particularly I would speak to the adult class that call themselves elders. No longer can the adult class that call themselves elders simply sit on their titles, which is what has happened, unfortunately, for too long. They have Amen to that, brother. I agree with that. <laughs> I yes, agree indeed. with that. Don't you know, uh, on that point, uh, 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 I, I, I'm sorry to interrupt you. It's, it's ironic yes, that you said that. You know how I was heavily criticized by my peers for starting this program? My goodness. A black urban American. And they, and they already knew what topics that was going to discuss. They already knew what avenues that was going to go down, you know, because these guys have <laughs> known me for 30 years. They already knew. And somebody said, nobody want to hear that black stuff today. But wow. in the last year or two, with, the, uh, 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 with these killings and what have you, now people want to talk about, oh, Black Friday, uh, 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 shot black, pro-black and everything. But they just don't know that this has been in existence for, like you said, for over 400 years. This is nothing exactly. new. It's nothing new. It just became more elaborate. It be, it may it became more covert, covert. So it's nothing new. And and and, and trying to open our eyes, it's a difficult task. So so what what what? It seems like. People my generation, the elders, really, really don't want to be involved. They'll complain a lot. And I'll say in a minute, what have you done about that situation? What have you done? Who, who have you done? Have you talked to a single mother? Have you showed the single mother how appropriately better dress her child during the winter? You know, uh, 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 have you sat down with this? Uh, I mean, about buying $200 sneakers when the child is only six years old. I mean, what have you done? What type of advice, what type of recommendation, what type of interaction have you done? So, yes, the elders need to get off the and, – and maybe, and just maybe, if the elders get off their behind a little bit, that the youth and the young adults – will respect us just a little bit more like we respected our elders. Absolutely. And, 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 what, and what, happens, what, what happens with that, Brother Ken, as well, just to add, to add to your point, what happens as well is we have to understand in any society the elders need certain programs and the youth need certain programs. The elders need programs specifically to help them maintain, specifically to maintain on what they have built. The youth need programs that help them excel. What has happened in our society is that many of our elders, through, through no fault of their own sometimes, many of our elders were so busy fighting. You have black men that were so busy fighting, getting the police dogs off of black women. You have so many black men that were busy fighting simply for the right to vote. You have so many black men simply fighting simply to, simply to get a bite to eat and not have to go to the back of the restaurant. You have so many black men fighting on the front lines of the Korean War, on the front lines of World War II and on the front lines of the Vietnam War. And so when they return to the states or as the years pass, they're now tired and they're now haggard and they're now fatigued. And so they come back to 
for example, a black man who comes back from the war now, he comes back to a world now that is unfamiliar to him, especially if you see the transition decade between the 1960s, the 1970s, and the 1980s. So he sees platform shoes, and he sees afros like the 70s, and, and he's listening yeah. to Earth, Wind, and Fire for the first time, and, and, and he's seeing all of this, and then by the time the 80s come around, he's seeing these kids bop their heads to NWA and bop their heads to Public Enemy and to Houdini, and, and so he's seeing all of this, and so instead of him attempting to understand it, his mind immediately goes into judgment because he says this, I risked and fought and risked my life and sacrificed years of my life to come back to you youth engaged in foolishness. But here's what the youth are saying. The youth are, the, 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 the youth are saying on the I other used, end, the youth are saying. Brother Devin, he, I a, used to have a joke. I used to have a joke. I used to joke with my friends, man. I used to say, sure. I bet you Martin, Marcus, Malcolm, Elijah, Adam, Clay Powell, all of them are up there saying, I die for these people. Look at their behavior. <laughs> What's wrong with them? What's wrong with them? <laughs> Absolutely. And you know what? It's the truth. It's the truth, man. I, I mean, like, people have got bitten. People have got hung. Yes. People have got assassinated. People reputation. Matter of fact, uh, Marcus and Stokey Carmichael's ran out, exiled out of this country. People got exiled, and, and there are people that had died uh, in prison at POW, political POWs, and, and, and like, and they look at it now like, this is it, this, this, this is the progress. This, this it, it, you know, a guy like Bobby Silver teaches. I think he's teaching Pennsylvania. Really, don't want to go on interviews. He don't want to be asked any questions. And I know it might be disappointing to a lot of people, but the fight, you know, I always used to say, you know, the fight cannot stop. You know, at some time, at some point, we shall, and usually we wake up after a a, a violent episode. Of, and, 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 like, just a couple of weeks ago, I had a round table with other hosts, and, and I said, this ain't going to last long. They got the fire now. It'll probably be over in a week or two. Once that media, <laughs> white media don't cover it, we'll stop talking. So how can we exactly. wrap our heads around all of this to, to so, so our, our, our ancestors' names will not be in vain? Indeed. Well, well, what we have to do is we have to get beyond the surface knowledge, get beyond the branch knowledge, and get beyond the commercial knowledge of who our leaders were. For example, you can walk down the street tomorrow and you can ask, 20 people who the most honorable Elijah Muhammad was, you'll get 20 different definitions. But most of the definitions that you're going to receive are going to be people who said, oh, that's the man that taught us that the white man is the devil. Not realizing that this man had two publishing houses, that this man had his own import-export fishing market. Not realizing that this man had Muhammad Speaks, which was the largest, highest-selling black, ta- black newspaper in America at one point, not realizing that he had I many, right. and, and so many, many I remember. And exactly. also, he had businesses in a lot of these black neighborhoods like North, Harlem, Chicago. You know, oh, yeah. That's what I know off the head. And, I mean, you see them. And he just wasn't teaching just Islam like his son did, but, but exactly. he was teaching self-productivity. 
And a lot of these guys today, and I don't want to mention any names, but a lot of these guys today doesn't doesn't really show what self production is about. They 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 continue to 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 follow that want to be a want to uh, be about the simulation, want to be a liberal. I'm not a liberal. I'm not. A liberal. <laughs> I, I, I'm not. A, I'm not a one. I'm not a Christian. I'm not a Muslim. You understand? You know, I am. I, <laughs> I'm about my African people around the world. Okay, Indeed. and whatever it may take to to make the progress and and to get where we be. And, and, and like I try to tell my host that come on Thursday nights, but he likes to do rush, rush, rush. You know, I said this gonna take time. You know, it took us a long time to get here. It's going to take exactly. us a long We're not going to see it. Our children, maybe our grandchildren may see it. Maybe the kids that's five years old may see it. But we're not going to see it. But we got to lay some type of foundation, some type of uh, 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 so, some type of map. Like John, like, like John Henry Clark said, you know, like the Japanese, if I go down, the next guy will come in, and there's a book that you go from chapter one to chapter two to chapter three. You have to develop a plan. And, you know, instead of walking around pounding our fists on our chest and, and in the air, we need to be in these back rooms, in these little community centers, plan for these communities, for our communities. Just want to interject a little bit. Just, uh, exactly. My little ideology on things. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. And 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 so it, it's up to us to teach to teach the full history of these leaders and of these great ancestors that have come before us. For for example, when I when I talk to many youth, for example, I I, I do a lot of lecturing out here in the area. And so when I talk to a lot of youth about Marcus Garvey, and I ask them what does Marcus Garvey mean to them, the first thing that they'll say is that that's the man that they heard wanted to take all black people back to Africa, when in fact that was never part of Marcus Garvey's platform. That was a misconception right. from the that was a misconception from the 1924 UNIA convention that a delegate mentioned on the House floor of the convention in Madison Square Garden. So I, I, when, when I mentioned to them that Marcus Garvey had the Negro world and that Marcus Garvey had the Negro Factories Corporation, when I mentioned to them that he had the Black Cross Navigation Trading Company, when I mentioned to them that he had the Black Starline Steamship, now I start to see these youth, their eyes widen because they only received a short-sighted window-dressing view of this man who basically birthed the modern black movement in America. And so it, it's up to us to teach beyond the commercial themes of who these leaders were and actually teach on what it is that they actually accomplished. So we're seeing a generation now that has all of the information but none of the productivity. They can quote Kemet. They can tell you everything that happened in Nubia, but ask them to go build a tech center for our youth in a community that needs it. They can't do it without referencing a book. Or they won't do it. You got to remember, I'm finding out a lot of people are just mouth and talk. And, and, and when you give them an opportunity, they turn their back and run. Uh, uh, do you think gang violence, you think, not gang violence, gang members will buy into this thought process? I, I think we're already seeing it happen slowly and gradually. We've seen it happen in Baltimore. We, I have seen it happen 
in Los Angeles with the after the killing of Ezel Ford. Uh, I've seen a bit of it happen in Miami with this latest case with Charles McKenzie, the behavior specialist who was shot while lying down. I've also seen some of it in the Atlanta area as well. So we're, we're starting to see it slowly and gradually. But once again, that's a mentality that has to be made over entirely. One one of my favorite Bible verses is, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So it's up and it's incumbent and it's a man's responsibility to transform his mind and transform his thinking if indeed he wants to transform his world. So what this, what, what, what is going to take for the transformation? Because if we continue to stay where we are, and become and just be people that react to certain uh, situations, or it just pockets here and pockets there. You know, I mean, what type of progress do you see us in the next five, ten, twenty years? And what's it going to take for to get to, to have a unification of, of of black folks in America? Sure. Well, 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 I think the first thing that, that people ought to realize is that for black America, most people are going to have to be Noah and not Moses. <laughs> okay. Um, most, most, right. people, most people, unfortunately, were Moses. And, and we've had many Moseses that have, if, if you understand my train of thought, we've had mo- many Moseses right. that have come before us that died disappointed or, or that died with no resources to pass down to their families because everything that they had, they gave to the race. But there's going to have to be a period wherein more of us begin to act like Noah and only align with those that are truly like-minded and want to see a nation progress because any nation in history did not need everybody in order to form its nationhood principles, its nationhood dogmas, and its nationhood doctrines. So that's going to have to be the first step to realize who is sincere, who is insincere, who is simply faking the funk, as they would say, or who is Uh – honestly committed to what exactly is going on. I think that the second quality we're going to have to adopt is we're going to have to adopt a strong economic base with legacy in mind. It gets so disappointing seeing three to four black generations pass, but there's no wealth that is being passed down from generation to generation. What we're seeing in the black community is we're seeing that we're starting from scratch with every generation, whereas every other group sure, is really. getting a leg up. Exactly. Whereas we're seeing it, it seems like the modern generation is like having a tough time starting from scratch. Uh, this, uh, uh, matter of fact, Bob Law, uh, 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 that used to have a, uh, a nighttime talk on Black Road Radio yeah. Station in New York, he used to say that we're the only culture that, okay, we send our kids off to school, they get a degree, now they got to look for a job. They have kids. Send them off to school, get a degree. They got a pound of payment to have kids. Now, if you look at other cultures like Jews, uh, 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 Chinese, Indians, Eastern Indians, uh, Arab, they passed it. They just, they had, matter of fact, I lived in Philadelphia. I went to this uh, bodega. There was a grandmother teacher, her granddaughter, no more than seven years old at the time, Teach her how to work the cashier and count the money. Exactly. Even if you don't take over the store, 
If the store is better, she could sell it and start another business, you know. But it's the sense of go. wealth and business, and business will make you independent and, and, and free, and free will. You know, and that's, and, and in fact, I, I'm going to say, if we be more economically uh, stable, uh, independent, we'd be more economically independent and not dependent on the United States government for everything, maybe we'll get a little respect from other cultures. Because as you said earlier, we're living up to the stereotype. You know, and, and it would make it, make it so bad if you look at the welfare roles, there's more white women on welfare than black women. There's yes, like indeed. 44% uh, people that receive welfare are Caucasian women, you know. So how uh, how how has our women get labeled as welfare queens? And they want to live up to the stereotype, you know. They want to live up to stereotype being part of the games, being tough. Uh, 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 everybody want to be a rapper and a basketball player instead of nurturing their minds, nurturing. Their their self awareness, but again, like you said, the elders got to play. That's like everyone has to play their part. Young adults, elders, everyone has to play. If you know, because like this is a sound model, and, and this is something that that like you said, Chancellor Williams, uh, Harry Clark, Doctor Naim Arfar, these writers been out for years. He's probably been out for years. John Henry Clark been out for, for over 40 years. But he just got his notoriety in the past 25. So exactly. I, as, as, as a culture, we, you know, and, and another thing I want to say, I am tired. I mean, like, hey, yeah, white folk did this to us. White folk did that to us. White folk did this. White folk doing this. I understand. I agree. But guess what? In this day and age, with, with, with the technology and the information uh, sharing and some of the educational uh, uh, seminars or uh, uh, educational arena, we got enough skills and resources and wealth, not so much of monetary, but wealth in our own culture where we don't have to be dependent on the United States government. And, and I also want to say, in uh, and, and one section of the United States of America, I read in the New York Times that the prison system of that state was complaining that it wasn't uh, uh, receiving their, getting their quotas. And so... Brothers and sisters were trying to build their business, stay out of trouble, not to deal drugs, try to uh, raise their families, families, and really, it, it, it had an impact on that prison system where they complained about it. So, like you said, it can be done, and it's in small factions, but it has to be some type of outreach to the entire society. We just can't have the East Coast doing it, the South doing it, or the North doing it. It got to be a collection of people, I said, some type of networking system, networking system, like you said, that had this, not the same mindset, but the same goal, the same goal, and, and come together. And 
And sometimes we got to leave certain things at the door and come to these meetings and these gatherings and, and come up with some type of plan that's going to benefit us. Because if we let this, if we let this continue, we're going to be in the worst way than ever. <coughs> Excuse me. Indeed, and, and and what we have to we have to look at we have to reestablish a standard of discipline within our communities. What 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 is sorely lacking is standards within our community. We <laughs> there's literally no form of orthodoxy. Whereas any community that's ever wanted to reach the top in any society had a modicum of discipline. When when you look at, for example, the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China, we know now, obviously, Moore's helped in building that and furnishing it, but for a historical example, the Great Wall of China took 2,000 years to build. Think about the the discipline the first generation had to have in order to build something that they themselves nor their grandchildren would even see that people two millenniums down the line would get to enjoy. And so that's the level of discipline that we have to employ not only upon ourselves, because we have to first be the example, but also upon our community. And just to speak to the elders once again for a moment, what, what has happened and what has stifled many of our elders as well has been the fear as well, because if you know anything about the history of lynching in the United States, is that the degenerates of our community were not the ones that were lynched. These were your business owners that were lynched. These were your intellectuals, and these were your thinkers that were lynched. So Think of the message that this sends when you're seeing everybody who is a thought leader in your community or everybody who's an economic leader in your community or who is the template of manhood or womanhood in your community that's being lynched or that's being thrown to the sea, for example, or that's being pulled apart by a horse as we now, as we now read the stories and read the accounts, or it's being burned alive by an audience. People are getting, you have Caucasians selling tickets to see a black man get burnt alive, for example. And so, Think of the fear that that plays into, into elders that now don't want to speak up because they have this belief now that that type of blatant systemic racism will rise again. So it, it, it's a very interesting belief. It's unfortunate, but it's very interesting because we can view it from the other end and understand why they have the belief system that they have. Brother Devin, we only got a couple minutes left. If if somebody yeah. wants to invite you to speak, how would they get in touch with you? Sure, absolutely. Or give a workshop or participate in the conference. Absolutely. I can give you all my contact information. They can reach me at, first, my social media information. I'm on Facebook as Devin Heflin. To spell that out, that's D-E-V-I-N. Last name is H-E-F-L-I-N. Also, they can reach me on Instagram as well. I'm on Instagram at Chairman D. Heflin. It's all lowercase and all together. I'm also on Twitter at CEO Heflin. Once again, all those words are together. They can also reach me via email. And let me just give out my Gmail first. It's Devin, D-E-V-I-N, dot Heflin, H-E-F-L-I-N, at gmail.com. They can also reach me at my company email at dheflin at innovateforward.com. That's with an eight and a four in the middle. That's dheflin at innovateforward.com. Let me answer. Do you have a radio show, Brother Devin? No, no, I, I, I don't have one at the moment. 
Okay. Uh, we need to talk about that in a couple of days if we can. But again, uh, uh, I enjoy. Hey, I, I, I thank, I thank you for coming on to the show, and uh, have your information, and I'll be contacting you in the next couple of days so we can talk a little further. And I really appreciate uh, uh, your your information and your model and and uh, trying to elevate the black community. I know it's hard. I mean, it's hard saving souls, but uh, but um, <laughs> it, it's, a, it's a commitment. And, and 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 I applaud you, and I thank you for your services, brother. And continue to do it, man. Definitely. Thank you, Brother Ken. And I definitely just want to thank, once again, you and your audience for having me on. Okay. All right. Have a nice evening. All right. Definitely. You do the same, brother. Take care. Okay. All right. That's another week of Black Urban America. Very informative. Very informative, brother. Very informative, brother. And, and I want everybody that downloads this show to remember some of the things. Let's follow some of these 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 uh these, these uh techniques and, and some of these ideologies. Well, this is important. It's very important. I mean, it's getting very serious. Very serious. You talk, you want progress, but look yourself in the mirror. Do you really, really want progress? And with that, this is it for this week. As usual, I am because we are. We are because I am. Good night, Black Urban America. Guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere 
and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.